Hello there. Welcome to the Beloved Son Ministry Show, where we who were once only the prodigal children now dare believe that we really are the beloved children of the Father. This Father who has loved us with an everlasting love. So now, let us come together, yes, in all of our brokenness, in all of our woundedness, but also in all of our belovedness, to share with one another the impact God has had on our lives and the impact that He continues to have in our lives, so that our curses may become crosses and our crosses may truly become blessings. So welcome home, my beloved brothers and sisters. Okay, um, good evening everyone. Thank you for, for being here. Um, tonight we will begin week two of our um, series. You know, last week we had um, being um, lost and the, and the gift of... Um, of um, um, and the gift of receiving. I'm sorry. And tonight uh, we will begin part two of it, which is um, being led in the gift of being. So let us begin with the prayer. Uh, the prayer that I'll begin with is actually going to be a very important reading for for this evening, which is the the um, the passage of the Lord's temptation in the desert. So let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, Command that these stones be turned into loaves of bread. He said in reply, For it is written, One does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. God, our Heavenly Father, You who led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and out into the wilderness, into the promised land. You fed them with manna and quail and water, gave them a leader, and then in the fullness of time, you sent your son to become man for us. And you too led him into the desert to be tempted by the enemy. May we go into the desert with our Lord and be with him and learn from him. Learn what it means to be led and learn what it means to have the gift of being. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So, our topic for this evening and this week is being led. You know, recently on TV, we see so, so many leaders, right, with this um, pandemic. We have the president, we have the governors, we have mayors, um, we have health officials, right? Um, and, and, you know, and... Never before have we been bombarded in, in the media with so much presence of the leaders. Um, but in addition to these government leaders, we also have, you know, the, the, the leaders of, of our church. We, we have bishops, we have the pope, we have priests, we have deacons. 
But we also have some other leaders, right? We have the, the leaders that um, instruct us in the schools, at work, our managers, our principals, our supervisors, etc. So what is it? So what makes someone a leader, right? Is it just simply a title given? Is it just something that um, you apply for and then you know you meet all the credentials, right? You have your masters, you have this and that, and suddenly you become a supervisor, right? So I guess in in any sense, as long as you meet certain criteria, anyone can be a leader. But there's got to be something more to being a good leader, a successful leader, right? So think about that. Think about in your lives, think of the examples of good leaders that you've experienced firsthand or that you've heard about. Just take a minute to think about what are some of those qualities of, of those good leaders. It could be a priest, it could be um, a lay person. So just take a minute to think about that. Now, hopefully, and you know, if I'm not mistaken, you know, when the the term "good leaders" come to my mind, you know, I th I think about someone who is genuine, who's real, right? Who's 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 not lofty, who's not way up there, and then we're we're down here just receiving orders, right? But but that this this leader is is with us every step of the way. That a good leader is really a servant leader, right? That a good leader is not afraid of getting his, his hands dirty, you know, that pulls his sleeves, his rolling sleeves up, right? And, 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 and he goes. He goes where the people are. And for us as a church, you know, we hope that our leaders imitate the good shepherd, right? Who lay down his life for their sheep. And so at the heart of all leadership, tr true leadership at least, Genuine leadership is, is that servantship, that all good leaders um, are servants. You know, I'm not sure if you've seen the news recently, but um, there have been some, some places of, of, of business who are trying to reopen, you know, by defying um, government rules and re regulations. And, you know, and some people are saying, you know, that's, that's good, you know, that's a good role model. Um, but, you know, personally, I, those aren't leaders, right? Because, you know, a true leader, even if he or she disagrees with um, their superior or, or, or the, the government or, or anyone like that, or the church hierarchy, right? Even if, if they don't agree with them, out of respect and obedience to them, they'll still follow it, right? And so going out there in the news and saying, you know, yeah, I'm gonna reopen this, I'm gonna do that because it's just not right. So I wanna, I'm a, you know, even if I get a violation, I'll, I'll continue doing it. To me, that's not really a leader. A leader 
would be. You know, I'm sorry things are difficult and, and we can't reopen right now. Um, however, you know, we, con we continue to encourage you to, to stay motivated, X, Y, Z, and then we'll wait until further instructions. You know, so, so a good leader, you know, they really encourage and they motivate. Um, and we, we can see that in our Lord, right? So in the beginning of, of this session, we, we read from John's, I mean, from Matthew's gospel of, of Jesus being led. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. You know, this is the first thing that he did after being baptized, right? He was led into the desert. Now, shifting back to last week, right? Being, you know, the gift of receiving, right? So being baptized and being led are both what tense, right? They're, they're passive, right? So first, our Lord shows us that you first, we first must learn how to receive, right? He was baptized, then he was led. And only after being led was he able to call and lead the apostles. So our Lord, from the very beginning of his public ministry, shows us that being led is a prerequisite to leading. Being led and being docile and being obedient is a must for our journey of faith. Right? He was first led and then he lead. The best leaders are also the best followers, right? Because you know, we learn how we lead by being led. Those who lead best are those who, who follow best. And our Lord shows this to us. And more importantly, we see here, let's hear this again. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Our life, our journey of faith, it is God's initiative. He invites us through His Spirit to lead us on this journey. And how comforting it must be for our Lord, even though He was the Son of God, He was fully man. So he had all the emotions of anxiety and nervousness and fear. And, and our Lord and the Father said to him, You will be led. I will lead you. And, and he followed. So, are we content with being led? Or the question should be, do we follow? Do we follow? Or do we say, you know what, For, forget about that. I'm going to go up and do my own thing. I'll be the real leader here because all those people, they're not doing anything. I'm going to do it. Right? Even in our church, you know, priests. You don't really hear much of priests going out and say, you know what, I know, I know the, bishop, the bishop says this, but I'm going to do this. Right? A good leader, a good shepherd is an obedient sheep, 
A good leader is one who was led, as our Lord was led into the desert. So, there are three conditions, I feel, to really being led. First, we must know who we are. Second is, we must know who we are following or who is leading us. And third, we must know where we are going. All right. So in our journey of faith, we must know who we are, who we are following, and that's the Father, and where we're going, wherever the cross may take us. Right. And so, but the very first part, who we are, sometimes that could be a bit tricky. Sometimes that could be a bit confusing because we may not know who we are. I mean, so let me ask you this. If I, if I were to ask you right now, and if you were sitting here in a chapel with me, at, and I say to you, who are you? How would you answer? I assume you would say, you would tell me your name, right? You would say, I'm so-and-so's... Um, mom or so-and-so's dad or so-and-so's son, so-and-so's brother, sister, etc. Oh, I am um, a nurse at Lankano, or I am a doctor at St. Mary's, or oh, I am the one um, that lives in the house right at the corner of, of um, um, Reading and some street. I'm, I, I'm still a little bit shaky on the streets here, right? So. So the, all, all those things we may attribute to who we are when we're asked, right? And those are the three exact things that the devil tempts our Lord with. And I'll get into that in just a little bit. So let's take a little look about um, the things that we attribute who we are with. First is, well, my occupation. I'm a teacher. I'm a priest. I'm a nurse. I'm a doctor. I'm an accountant. I'm a stay-at-home mom, right? And sometimes we may also attribute who we are by what others say about us. Oh, he's a great father. She's a great mother. Oh, she, she's an excellent educator. Or what we have. Oh, he, he owns that beautiful house down on, you know, down that street. Or, or he's the one that drives that um, Mercedes, right? Those are the three things that we most commonly attribute our identity with. What we do, what others say about us, and, and what I have. Do you see that? You know, just thinking about our, our own lives and reflecting on, on ourselves and on other people that, that, that we know. Do you agree? Do you see that those are the three things that people most commonly attribute who they are with? Oh, also, if you would like, you can um, always say things on the, the the comment box here, and so it could be a bit a bit more interactive, um, if you would like. Um, but so, so keeping those three things in mind, 
what we do, right, our occupations, what others say about me, and what are the things that I have. These three things are seemingly what people and even ourselves attribute our identity with. And now, you, and now we will go explore into the scriptures to see how the three temptations that our Lord faced was precisely these three things that attack us today. So now I will read the entire passage. So if you were following along, if you would like to read the scriptures with us, I'm reading from Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 and following. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. But he said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to a holy city, the, the holy city, and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and, and with their hands they will support you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil took our Lord to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you, if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan, for it is written, The Lord your God shall you worship and him alone shall you serve. Then the, level, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The very first temptation, you know, right from the beginning, the devil attacks Jesus' identity. If you are the Son of God, if, the first tactic that he uses is our identity. If you are the Son of God, change these stones. I mean, it's something simple. You could do it. If you are the Son of God, Right. Let's compare Adam with Jesus. Adam said, "Oh, I'll I'll eat of the fruit." Right. He he ate, but Jesus says, "You know, man does not live on bread alone." Yes, I am hungry. I am hungry. I mean, I fasted for forty days and forty nights, but I know that more than bread that will sustain my physical hunger. It is the bread of life. It is the word of God that will truly quench my thirst 
and satiate my hunger. And Jesus, he just ignores him. And then he continues, right? So this first temptation, it is about what we can do, right? If you are the son of God, then you ought to work miracles and change these things, perform these miracles. In the same way, if you are so good at X, then show us. Show us something. Do something. Right? And in the text, our pride. Right? If you really are that good with your job, then show us. Show us. The same tactics he uses today. Right? If you say you were this, then, then prove it. Prove it. Do something. So here we can see the, that our identity can be linked to what we can do. Our abilities. Right? And notice again that the, that the devil immediately attacks his identity. So it is very vital that um, our identity is safeguarded. Is everyone okay with that? Now the second temptation, um, the devil takes Jesus on the, the parapet and he says, you know, I'll give you all, I'm, I'm sorry, the, it's, it's, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down, right? If you were the son of God, you know, angels will come in and, and protect you. But look how tricky the devil is here. He is using scripture to attack Jesus. He is using scripture against Jesus himself. He says, well, you know, if, if you're a son of God, you know, the Bible says this. So sometimes the enemy can use our faith against us with what? Uh, scrupulosity, right? The devil knows scriptures really well. The devil knows a lot about God. He knows a lot about Jesus. He knows a lot about faith. But he doesn't know him because he, have no, he has no relationship with him. But we do. Not only do we know about God, but through prayer, we know him. We talk with him. We listen to him. And that is what enabled our Lord here to say what he said to the enemy. In the face of temptation, instead of using his ability to show him who he was, but out of his intimate rapport with the Father, he used the word of God for good. Right? So again, this temptation is, is what? Again, if you're the son of God, then, you know, but the, the Bible says the son of God, you know, God will send angels, send angels to, to protect him. So, you know, I, I heard this, so show me. Right? So here we see the temptation of fame, of fame, right? 
I, you know, I, I, I heard you did this, you did this very awesome thing the other day. Good for you. I know what happens. That can get into our heads, right? But our Lord didn't let that. Our Lord, our Lord knew who he was. He was a son of God. But he didn't need to prove it to the enemy. He didn't need to prove it. He knew who he was already in his heart. And God knows as well, right? And finally, the third temptation, right, was, I, I, I think, the most laughable of all the temptations. He takes Jesus up and he says, Look at all these things, all these kingdoms and their magnificence. They can be yours if you would just bow down and worship me. At this, Jesus had it. He says, Satan, get, get away. Get away, Satan. And then the devil left. fame and wealth and possessions, do we not sometimes identify ourselves with what we have? If we do, we will fall for the trap. Oh, keep up with the, the newest phone, the newest car, the, the newest this, the, the newest that. Keeping up with the Joneses, right? Jesus says, no, thank you. No, thank you. And then what happens? What happens at the end of these three temptations? We're told that the devil left and behold, angels came and ministered to him. On our journey of faith, we will go through many trials. We will go through many temptations because of our concupiscence. We will go through many struggles and challenges. But we are also confident that our Lord will always be with us to console us, to send angels to minister to us. That if we persevere as our Lord did, and remain steadfast in our faith and in our relationship with God, we'll be okay. That in the face of um, temptation of pride, of fame, and of wealth, if we are able to withstand them, if we're able to tackle them, if we're able to resist them, God will console us. God will be with us. Not just at the end, but throughout. But this all hinges on something very important. It hinges on how we begin. And the Lord was led by the Spirit. So take a few minutes to just 
um, think about the things that we just mentioned and um, be, before I continue with um, the other parts of it. All right. Um, hope you can still hear me. Um, so a quick recap: the three things, our identity, right? In order to be led, we must know three things: who we are, who we are following, and where we and where we are going. The world tells us who we are by what we have, what we do, and what others say about us. And unfortunately, our world um, sort of forces us to, um, to root our identity in these three things. But there is a great danger in doing that. Because if we simply root who we are in what we do, what happens when we get fired? Our world crumbles, right? Oh, I lost my job. Who am I now? I have no more identity. I have no more self-esteem. Everything that 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 was me, I I I no longer have. And it'll go down a downward spiral. Similarly, if we root who we are in in the good things others say about us. The compliments, the praises. Oh, you did such a great job um, with your speech the other night, or you know, even priest, right? Oh, Father, that was a great homily. What if those compliments stop? Do, then we question, right? Oh, what did I do wrong? Did I miss something? Why? Do, why didn't they praise me? Why did they compliment me? What did I do wrong? We begin to question ourselves if we root our identity in what others say about us. And finally, if we root our identity in what we have, what happens when something happens and we don't have those things anymore? We don't have that fancy car. We, something happened and we don't have the house anymore. Then what? Then who, then who are you? You see, the problem with all these things is, is that these are all temporal. These are all worldly. And we know that worldly things never last. Worldly things are not eternal. 
But what is eternal comes from God, right? And so we must root who we are in something that is eternal, that is not changing, that no one can rob us of, that will never go away. And this identity is the beloved, the beloved son and daughter of God, the Father. But in our human sinfulness, in our human weakness, that doesn't do it for us. We need the praises of others. We need a good paying job that, that, that we get a sense of accomplishment from. We need a lot of things to show other people how good off or well off we are. But our Lord is encouraging us to let those things go. Just as I was led by the Spirit, allow the same Spirit to lead you. You know, we are social beings. We are made for relationship, right? We can all agree with that, right? We, we, we like being around people. We enjoy people's company. Somehow when someone else is with us, things feel a little bit better, a bit more reassuring. Because we're social beings. Right. So our identity must be rooted in a relationship. But what relationship? Who we are must come from, must be rooted in, and must stem from our relationship with God. We are always the Father's beloved. Not only do we need to know who we are and where we're going, but we need to know whose we are, whose we are, and who we are following. It's very important that we know whose we are before we even do anything else. And we belong to God. You see, If we root ourselves in those three things, pride, wealth, and fame, then, 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 then that means something very profound. If we root those, our, who we are in those three things, that means that we are, we are only loved because we can do things. We are only loved if we have things. And we are only loved if people speak well of us. Isn't that what the world tells us today? That we need to earn and prove ourselves, earn and prove, prove our um, dignity? Isn't that what the fight for life is all about? These little babies, they, they need to prove themselves, prove that they are a human being, then we'll save them. Right, but, but love isn't we're not loved, well, at least true love and real love isn't because of what we have, what we can do, or what people say about us. 
right? Those things cannot be the source of our identity. They cannot be the source of our belovedness. It just doesn't make sense. Because does that mean if we're not complimented, if we're not well off, if we don't have things, we can't do anything, does that mean we are not loved? What about those who are handicapped? They can't do anything as we can do. Are they not loved? But that's what the world tells us. The world tells us that we are only loved to the extent that we can do something, to the extent that we are praised, to the extent that we have things. And I, you know, this brings us brings me back to when we were um, when I was in high school, right? We always think, oh, you know, so and so has a car, so everyone's his friend. We ride in his car, we go around. Yeah, and, 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 and everyone loved Johnny because Johnny had the car and we all got in, right? But once Johnny lost his car because he was grounded, where did his friends go? Went to Alex, went to Rob, went to Jerry. But Johnny felt loved because he had people with him because of his car. And you, you can see how an adolescent can equate the car as being the source of who he was. Because of the car, he had all these friends. But that's the complete opposite of how it really should be. Right? We're not loved because I do this, I have that, right? We're simply loved. For those of us who are parents and grandparents, you love your kids not because, or not only because they make honor roll, not only because they have scholarships, not only because they can perform well in school or in, or in sports. You love them because they're your son, they're your daughter, they're your grandbabies, no? Is it, isn't that why you love them? Now here's a challenging question. Do they know that? Do they know that? Do they know that you love them not because they got first place, not because they got straight A's, not because of the teacher's kind notes about how well they're in school, but that you love them because they're your daughter, they're your son. Do they know that? The Father wants us so much to know that, that we're loved simply because He fashioned us and He created us and that He put us here but not because of all the good things that we do, not even because we're devout. That's not why we're loved. We're loved simply because He's our Father and He loves us. Do we know that?
Perhaps we don't. Because we are blinded. We are blinded by what the world offers. So-and-so has this and everyone likes him. So-and-so does this so everyone likes him. But if we, if we are only loved because of the things we do, it's not, it's, it's not real. And like we learned in high school, when Johnny lost his car, they all left. Who we are cannot be rooted in anything worldly, cannot be rooted in anything that can be taken away. Because our existence is not dependent on any of, the, of these worldly things. We are who we are. We are here and we are loved simply because God loves us. That's it. If you think back to yes um, to last week when we read the, product, the, the, parable, the parable of the prodigal son, we saw when the son came back, he was about to say, you know, Father, I'm so sorry, blah, 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 blah. The father didn't even hear him. He just gave him big embrace. Right? The father didn't love him simply because he chose to come back. The father didn't love him anymore because he's back than when he was out in the distant country. The father loved him the same when he was living at home, when he chose to leave, and now that he's back. The father's love for his son never changed. And it's the same for us. God loves us the same before confession and after confession. God's love for us is not dependent upon what we do. And I think many, many Catholics, we, we, we misunderstand that. We, we think God loves us more after we go to confession. No. God loves you the same. God loves you infinitely, unconditionally, before, during, and after. Do not let the world tell you any less. And please, tell your children that. Tell your children that you love them no matter what. Yes, you, we might get upset and frustrated when they act up, but we don't love them any less. And God's the same way with us. Even if we choose to not be led by the Spirit and go wander off in a different wilderness, God doesn't say, oh, well, forget you. Good luck, right? No, God says, fine, I'll, I'll be there with you. Even if you don't want me to, I'll be, there right, I'll be right there with you. But it's so hard for us to see that and to believe that because of our brokenness, because of our, of our woundedness. It's hard for us to see
You know, John Paul II said to a group of young people, I, I, I think, um, he said, you are not the sum of your failures, the sum of your weaknesses, right? And I would say, you're not even the sum of your accomplishments or your achievements. Who you are, you are not your sins. You are not your successes. You are not your weaknesses. You are not your accomplishments. But John Paul II says, you are only the sum of God's love for you. Which is infinite. Who you are is the sum of God's love for you. Which is infinite. But the world and our woundedness, they tell us, that we are our wounds, we are our weaknesses, we are our sins. But we're not. We feel these things because we are loved. Right? If we're not loved, none of those things would matter. But we are first loved. That comes first. We are loved first then the other things come. Because we are loved, we feel joy. Because we are loved, we feel sadness. Because we are loved, we feel angry when kids, when our children does something stupid. Because love was there. But the world tells us things are backward. Oh, you, you, you did this, you're loved. You're popular, you're popular now. No. You were first loved, and then those things. And our Lord in the desert, he saw that. So, as the Lord was led into the desert by the Spirit. Will we join Him? Will we be led by the Spirit? Or will we be led by the Spirit of jealousy, the Spirit of the world, the Spirit of pride, the Spirit of selfishness? What Spirit will we allow to lead us? And what spirit will we follow? The Christian life is all about being led. And don't forget our Lord was led into the desert. Not a fun place, right? There are times when we will be led to places that we do not want to go, like Peter. We will be led to places that challenge us, that contradicts what we believe. But those places we still must go. Especially in today's society, we must go to those deserts, to those wilderness, to those places where God is not existent seemingly. Because we must be the witnesses 
to those people. We must be a witness to the world that says God's not real. We must go to those deserts, the deserts that we much rather not. But we must. We must because we follow the Spirit. And this Spirit will guide us, will lead us, will encourage us, will be with us. Our Lord, I'm sure in, in his humanness, he didn't, he didn't want to be nailed to a cross. He didn't want to be spat upon. He didn't want to be whipped and scourged. But he was led by the Spirit. And he remained obedient to the Father's will. And at the end, to the world he lost because he died and was buried. But we know that the end is in death. The end was the resurrection. That even death could not hold our Lord down. So as Christians, God promises us if we follow the lead of the Spirit, it will not always be smooth. It, there will be storms and there will be challenges. But He'll weather them with us. And even when the world seems to be winning at times, He has a final say. Even when all seems Loss. We have a hope of the resurrection. And all this is possible only if we follow the Spirit. So as we come to the end of this evening, Let us ask the Father to give us a strength, the humility, and the courage to, to follow the lead in the province of the Holy Spirit so that we may be a beacon of hope and light and bear witness to His resurrection, bear witness to His love and mercy to a world that so desperately needs it. Let us pray. Loving Father, we are not worthy. We are not worthy, yet you call us. Yet you choose us. Yet you love us. Even in our sinfulness, in our waywardness, you love us. Teach me always to know that I am loved not because of what I can do, of what I have, or because of what others say about me, but that I'm only loved because you love me. That I'm loved because you call me your beloved. Teach me, Father, to allow myself 
to be loved by you. Lord Jesus, you were led by the Spirit and you've remained docile and obedient to it. Teach me to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Teach me to be led so that I may truly live a life of freedom, a life of truth, a life of love and joy and peace. And come Holy Spirit, come into my heart tonight and lead me. Lead me wherever you see fit, whether it be in the arid desert, whether it be in the battlefields of of idolatry, or whether it be in green pastures, give me the courage and fortitude to always follow you and to always be willing to be led by you. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me, um, joining me this evening, and I hope... Um, it was okay, and um, tomorrow is, is Ascension Thursday, so don't forget to tune into Mass and do the readings, and um, ask the Lord to lead you. And I promise you, when you do, and, when, and if you follow, you have the most peace you ever experienced in your life. Until next time, take care and God bless. For more audios, videos, blog entries, and other resources, please visit us at www.belovedsonministry.org.